This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the forensic files on your radio dial. My name is Scott, and if we got a great show for you tonight, no we don't. The phone is ringing. The request line. All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA, East of the Rockies. Lobotomy? Lobotomy? As in a teenage lobotomy? Lobotomy? Joey, Joey Ramon, is that you on our request line from the great beyond? Big fan, Joey. Listen, you're calling the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on tonight? Your band? The Ramones? Pet Cemetery? You bet. All right, you heard the man. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be Pet Cemetery by the Godfathers of Punk, Joey Ramone, and the Gang and the Ramones. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. Friday, a Halloween special starring Paul Lynn. Turning myself on. And his special guests, Tim Conway, Florence Henderson, Donnie Marie Osmond, Pinky Tuscadero, and the incredible Kiss. Then, Rosemary's baby has come of age. For a birthday boy. Satan has come to reclaim his son. No! Due to mature subject matter, parental discretion is advised. Look what's happened to Rosemary's baby right after Paul Lynn. Friday, starting at 8, 7 Central and Mountain on ABC. Nothing could tear me away from my Count Chocula cereal. Who's that? Good morning. Real Dracula. For real? May I have some? You can have mine. I'll sink my teeth into... What? The delicious chocolatey marshmallows in Count Chocula cereal. Oh, yeah. And it's part of this complete breakfast, too. How about a monster for breakfast today? For real? Breaking news! What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. All right, gang, I've got my intrepid newsman, Rico Cronkite, here. Rico, how are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? Not too bad. Looking forward to you filling my brain full of the news. Let's do some news. So, first on the docket, by the way, tonight's news is courtesy of thecurrent.org. Thecurrent.org, check them out. October 2nd, 1983, Welsh singer Bonnie Tyler was at number one on the U.S. single charts 
with Total Eclipse of the Heart. The song, which was Tyler's biggest hit of her career, made her the only Welsh artist. I didn't even know she was Welsh, by the way. Me neither. Was the only Welsh artist to score a US number one hit worldwide. The single has sales in excess of 6 million copies. I believe Holy that. Holy shit. I know. Fun fact about the song. It was written and produced by Jim Steinman, who said um, of the song in an interview with Playbill that Total Eclipse of the Heart, I was trying to come up with a love song. And I remembered I actually wrote that to be a vampire love song. Its original title was Vampires in Love because I was working on a musical of uh, Nosferatu at the time. The other great vampire story. Um, if anyone listens to the lyrics, they're uh, really like vampire lines. It's all about the darkness, the power of darkness and love's place in the dark. I think we're all closet Bonnie Taylor, or Bonnie Tyler fans, aren't we? We all love this song secretly, don't we? Yeah, I mean, openly even, and even more so now, because I'm going to go back and check out the lyrics. I didn't know it was about the uh, bloodsuckers. I know, dude, that just kind of... Uh, and I'm not talking about ex-girlfriends here. Hi-oh, but um But I kind of agree with you. I want to go back with the lyrics in front of my eyes and read them as I'm listening to the song, because I think it just gives it a whole new spin now, doesn't it? I kind of want to see the Nosferatu musical too. <laughs> I, can you can you make a musical out of Nosferatu? I mean, seriously? the original one, the silent film is. I mean, it. I mean, I guess if you just set it to music, there's no fucking words. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. How do you make a musical out of a silent movie? That'd Have be, you ever uh, seen the uh, the 1970s uh, Werner Herzog version of Nosferatu? It's the, it's a remake of the silent film. I know of it, but I haven't had a chance to see it. It's it's October. It's Halloween time. It is a cool AF vampire movie. I would highly I'm, recommend it. I'm definitely going to have to go out of my way to watch that because I love black and white horror. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a Nosferatu fan, and I think I uh, definitely have to check that out. Well, what else you got in the news, sir? October 3rd, 1978, the members of Aerosmith bailed 30 fans out of jail after they were arrested for smoking pot during an Aerosmith concert at Fort Wayne Coliseum. Like, when's the last time? I don't think, I think that's probably the last time that ever happened, right? Aerosmith bailed them out of jail. <laughs> yeah, they bailed... 30 people out of jail for smoking weed at one of their concerts. Does this count in your long running series of bands getting away <laughs> with whatever the hell they want to? Aerosmith was just not having their fans getting arrested during one of their shows. They were having none of that. Intervene no, I, and put a stop to it. This is ex this goes ex precisely into that category. <laughs> except some, some of that. Oh, nice. Some of that um, celebrity Quan just kind of transferred over into the 30 lucky souls that got bailed out by them. So whatever, man. Do you gotta think do what you do, gotta do? You know what? I bet during that show, while those 30 fans were smoking the weed, I bet Aerosmith <laughs> played Walk This Way. <laughs> Walk This Way. They, I bet they did. Or maybe they threw in some sweet emotions. <laughs> okay. Stewie from Family Guy needs to go back in his crib right now. And we've got yeah. to keep moving on with the news. What else have you got, sir? October 4th, 1999. Jimi Hendrix, half-sister Janie, 
announced her plans to exhume the body of her famous brother and move it to a mausoleum where curious onlookers can view it for a price. The public outcry forced her to shelve the idea. I mean, you think? I mean, when rigor mortis sets in for that dude in just the right places, that would kind of make me a little unsettled, too, if you know what I mean. Didn't he... (laughs) (laughs) You're suggesting that the casket lid would have been, like, you know, propped open? I mean, with that dude's baby arm, probably just (laughs) throw it right open all the way. No need to prop it open. She'd look like a mechanic with her head under the hood of a car. (laughs) Bopped open in the shop. (laughs) That's that's exactly what I'm getting at. I mean, this is 1999, too. Didn't Hendrix die in, like, 71 or something? That's what I'm saying. I mean, what else is left at that? That's what I'm saying. There can't be much to see, right? I mean, skin and boners. You know, I read, uh, Jim, there's a, a, uh, a biography on Hendrix called room full of mirrors. Yeah. And I think, I don't remember exactly, but I think this Janie Hendrix might be his dad got remarried while he was full on a rock star on tour, never home. And his Uh dad got remarried to a woman who already had kids. And I think Janie was one of those kids. So he didn't grow up nice thank you he didn't grow up with them he didn't really know them he came home briefly from tour and met his half you know siblings and then she ends up like inheriting and essentially running his entire estate and she really has no like you know only knew him in passing you know so it's just she's just money grabbing here clearly i mean and that kind of explains like a gazillion posthumous Jimi hendrix records too that have taken place since true, then, right? true. her her making bank right yep all right what else you got in the news sir and finally october 6 1972 during sessions at rca studios new york city david bowie recorded the gene genie which became the lead single from his 1973 album aladdin sane the line He's so simple-minded, he can't drive his module, would later give the band Simple Minds their name. Nice. And don't you forget about me. Yeah, don't I remember them from the 80s. Don't yeah, they did the, the song from Breakfast Club. Yeah, didn't their singer have, like, a big, like, pompadour of red hair? Uh, Yeah, he well, yes. And he had the, the, you know, trench coats were real popular back then. Remember that? You'd mm-hmm. wear your... You'd wear your regular clothes, like you're not dressed up, but then you'd throw the trench coat on because yeah, was before like... the Columbine kids ruined it, <laughs> right? That was the the trench coat was the very John Bender thing to do, you know, John Bender from Breakfast Club, and so right. you know that song was written not by Simple Minds, but it was written for them actually. I can't remember who wrote the song, but I thought that was pretty cool that they pulled their name from that line from the David Bowie. Yeah, that's okay. really cool. And that's and cool. that probably, in my humble opinion, is the quintessential 80s song. Yeah, totally. Like, if you had to pick one song that defined the decade and makes you think instantly of the 80s, it's that song. Yeah, uh, for me, that wasn't the first Simple Minds song that I ever heard of theirs. They had another one, and I'm trying to, I know I can, I can, I'm hearing it in my brain and I can't think of it, but... Um, that was not the first Simple Mind song. They had another one that they wrote that was kind of like their one-hit wonder before they became famous for the song from Breakfast Club. They were kind of a two-hit wonder. 
but the one that they wrote was all over MTV all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I've always been kind of a Simple Minds fan. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I'm major 80s nostalgia, so I've got totally. I've got time for it all day. Okay, can I make a uh, confession about the 80s? Yeah, do it. I, I put down the 80s, but really, when it comes to 80s music, I'm a really big fan of all kinds of every type of 80s music. And I'm not afraid to admit that now. I love all the poppy stuff. I love all the like the 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 alternative, like the British alternative stuff. I love it all, man. I love all the music from the 80s. And I did back then, too. Yeah, me too, man. It's funny because the other day I was, you know, browsing YouTube and I came across it recommended me a solid 45 minute block of MTV from the 80s uninterrupted. Oh my God. Somebody copped on VHS and then stuck on YouTube. That's and beautiful. Guess who watched it? This guy. And it was amazing. <laughs> Every minute of it, right? Yeah. All right, gang. Thank you so much for your news report, sir. Uh, we'll be right back. An MTV television exclusive. Hold on to your seats. Hold on to your arms. Hold on to everything. It's Michael Jackson's Thriller, a short film by John Landis that'll scare you out of your tree. See it here only on MTV. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. Michael Jackson's Thriller, first and exclusively on MTV Music Television. Kiss, each sold separately, and you can put them in any crazy pose you Kiss. want. That's the name, Kiss. They may look insane, Kiss. your game, Kiss. Kiss, each 12 and a half inch figure sold separately by Mego. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country, western, and blues. In the year of our Lord, 1955, on this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity, individualism, and purpose thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll, with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of mad jack to witness their long past the sell-by date asses on stage and with its chauvinism, misogyny and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities and with its aging, fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn. Rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace, 
in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're back. We've got Pet Cemetery by the Ramones, released in 1989. The song is a perfect length of three minutes and 30 seconds for radio airplay. Label is Sire in USA, Chrysalis in UK. Dee Dee Ramone wrote this song with the help of Daniel Ray and produced by Jean Beauvoir, if I'm saying that right, Bill Laswell and Daniel Ray. Nice. All right, gang, we've got the Ramones. We've got Pet Cemetery, Stephen King novel turned into punk rock pop ditty. This is Rock and Roll Autopsy. We've got five categories. They are gratuitous boomerism. Boomerism. Excessive misogyny. Misogyny. Wanton whiteness. Whitey. Malignant machismo. Macho. And culture vulturism. Rico, we're, we're talking Ramones, buddy. We're talking leather jackets and jet black hair. And tall, goofy and dudes with awkward long hair. Skin tight jeans. Hell yeah. And Chuck All right, Taylor man. Category too. one. Yep. Gratuitous boomerism for Pet Cemetery. Sir, how do you score it? You know, man. Uh, one point don't we for um since he is a boomer however um i this is okay so tricky i'm yeah i don't care if i don't care if he's a boomer because he wrote a song from a stephen king horror novel there's nothing really boomer about that that's really kind of cold gen x or kind of stuff if you ask me so i'm gonna give him a i'm gonna give him the, just the obligatory one, but I'm going to take off one because it's kind of a dorky comic book thing to do. So I'm going to do a half a point on this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the band are, I think, I'm, I know Joey Ramone is a boomer and I believe Johnny are too. I'm not sure if Dee Dee is, but, um, and that was Dee Dee, right? Who penned this? Yeah, correct. Um, but I think I have to give it a 0.5 just on the birthday. But to your point, I mean, writing a song about a Stephen King novel, there's, you know, it's not, and they're in a punk band. I don't really associate punk with Boomer, but um, me either. But yeah, so I'm going to go 0.5 there just for the birthday factor. But yeah, isn't, otherwise, that about, isn't it about the nerdiest thing you can do is write a song about a Stephen King horror novel? Dude, you know who's done more than that than anybody? Yeah. Fucking Anthrax. <laughs> Look it up, that's man. a good point that's a good point they've got point. they've got at least half a dozen songs in their catalog that are just straight up about stephen king shit <laughs> <laughs> it's serious all oh, right we're going hilarious. on Let's category two rico excessive misogyny how do you score pet cemetery sir yeah man um i'm gonna give it a zero it's a it's a song about that book and that book is about the micmac burial grounds and so there's really nothing misogynistic about that so that's a, just a flat out zero in my my book have you read the book out of curiosity you know what i really want to i haven't 
I've, I've, I've really, let me just say this about Stephen King. I've, I've really wanted to for a very long time dig into some Stephen King, but I just can't find space in my schedule to just pull the trigger. And I really would start with that one, actually. Yeah, you're a reader. And so I'm not surprised, though, that you haven't read yeah. Stephen King. I mean, you're married to a writer. And I think that maybe and I can't speak for her, but um, I know she's read a lot of Stephen King. Yeah, but doesn't Stephen King kind of have a reputation in the writer community as being a hack? Um, that I really couldn't comment on one way or the other. Not really yeah, sure. I could be totally speaking out of school and I could be dead yeah. wrong. But I always kind of heard people saying that as a writer, he's not really respected by other writers. You know? Yeah. Um, I there know was that. Point, um, yeah, go, oh. go ahead. I was going to say there was a point in my life up until probably like the eighth grade, which would put around 1988 when I read every single book he did through the seventies and into the eighties. But then it got to the point that as my life got busier, as I got older, I stopped and he's so prolific that I could never keep up again. He's written a hundred books since then. <laughs> right. True. Yeah. I, I, I started uh, one time and I just don't think that I was, just my brain was in the right place. I started reading Monkey Shines. Yeah, is that an anthology? I'm not sure, but I, when I, I I put it down because at least that book anyway was super slow burn yeah. and very descriptive, and I think that's yep. just how he writes, right? It is, yep. Yeah, and so I just never was in. I I went down some other avenues of reading. I really need to do some Stephen King though. I, well, I. I think in terms of user-friendly books, Pet Cemetery or Carrie are like the two to start with, you know, mm -hmm. super user-friendly and easy. Um, you know, there's isn't like if you started with the stand or it, you'd never finish it. <laughs> right. <All> right. <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't start with the stand. I'd have to block off about two months of time to get through that. So what do we got here? Under the arc of a weather-stained boards, ancient goblins and warlords coming out of the ground, not making a sound. The smell of death is all around. I mean, I, I don't see any misogyny there unless we're nah. talking about like, unless this I mean, is some metaphor for like a stinky crotch. I don't know. Could, could be. But, but I'm going to probably I'm not score a zero. It. Yeah. So that's a zero for me too. Well, let's move on. The next category wanton whiteness rico how do you score this is going to be a, a big fat nerdy one in my book um it's it's a it's like i said before it's a very white bread nerdy thing to write this song about a stephen king horror novel that's so white bread it's it's whiter than white bread it's blinding white and so yeah they they get a big fat one out of me on this one not that that's a bad thing, but it's just really, that's really a white bread thing to do. Yeah, you're spot on. I can't argue. I have to give it a full one as yeah. well. Um, mm -hmm. This is, it's super nerdy. I mean, honestly, reading Stephen King is kind of nerdy, but um, then, then being so inspired to write a song about it. I think they wrote the song for the movie, didn't they? Uh, well, no, the, well, it wound up being for the movie. Well, the story is, that Stephen King is actually a giant Ramones fan. And when they were, they were on tour up in his pad up in, up in new England. And so he invited them over and uh, gave DD Ramone a copy of the book to, to check out. And the story is, is he went down into the basement into his basement with the book and came back up with the lyrics to pet cemetery. So oh, shit. I don't know. 
I don't know if he, if Stephen King kind of, well, you know, it was just, I don't know if there was a movie planned for that, but um, I know that's kind of the story on how it happened. So I think Dee Dee Ramone was just kind of inspired by the book and just wrote the lyrics because of that. And they just put it in the movie at the closing credits because of that. So I think, I don't think it was written specifically for the movie. Yeah, but it wound up being in the movie. That's cool. It's not a bad adaptation, actually. It's one of the better Stephen King movies. That's the word on the street that uh, of all of them, that's one of the better ones. I'll tell you so. what, dude. If you're going to Stephen King's house in 1989 to hang out for a few hours, you uh, you're gonna be, dude was doing mountains of blow back then at that time. So you, oh, hell well, yeah. well, who wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> Bring your vacuum cleaner if you're gonna go hang out with. Uh, Stephen King for a few hours in 19. Right. Yeah, I I yeah. score it for uh I'm scoring it a solid one as well for wanton whiteness. It is it is uh some white ass shit going on here, man. Um <laughs> I mean, listen to these lyrics. Follow Victor to the sacred place. This ain't a dream I can't escape. Molars and fangs, the clicking of bones, spirits moaning among the tombstones. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's... <laughs> what do you I think? Mean... I mean, of the song, though, I mean, he came up with kind of a poppy little ditty, didn't he? I mean, it's a pretty poppy song, don't you think? Yeah, man. I mean, I remember hearing this song on the radio back when it came out, and uh, I always thought it was kind of it has a hook, man. Yeah. the the the, uh, the chorus has the hook and it's and that's cool it's 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 a catchy tune and um i think when it came out uh, it was a perfect song to come out when it came out and yep. it was just the, just the right length the structure was just right for the time it had the good hook in the chorus it was it just was came out just at the right time and it was a good song for that so yeah i totally liked this song and i liked it back then too it's funny because I saw the Ramones in concert in like 1990. I saw them up at the Cleveland Empire, and that's a venue yeah. that's not around anymore. Yep. And I'm really glad I got to see him because the whole band is dead now. Um, I think yeah, the drummer, right. I think the drummer's still alive, but um, yeah. but anyway, uh, this was a song they played like in the middle of their set. You know, and it was funny because yeah. they played like you know a 90 minute show, and they probably mm-hmm. played a hundred songs because all their songs are a minute and a half long. <laughs> Right, and they only stopped in between each song long enough to say one, two, three, five. <laughs> right. It wasn't four; right. it was fa, like F A W. And then the only time Joey Ramone stopped in the entire concert was to say, "This one's called Pet Cemetery," and that was it. Otherwise, it was just a blur of song after song after song, and they were like a buzzsaw going through their set. Yeah, dude, this was their big hit. This song freaking charted, man. So that's probably you, why he introduced it. Yeah. Now, when you saw them, was that post DD Ramon? Because he left shortly after that. You know, I don't remember. I'd have to look at a timeline. And I don't, it probably was on tour for this. If this record came out in 89 and I saw him yeah. in 90, it very well could have been that tour, but I don't remember. I will have yeah. to look into that, sir. Well, you should have do that sometime. All right, let's move on. Category four malignant machismo rico how do you score yeah man now think about this the ramones if you just look at them they're probably the darkest punk band just (laughs) just just by looks i mean let's face it dude 
those leather jackets is just those that's full. They're fool's gold with those leather jackets. Yeah. No, the, you're not fooling anybody with the, with the leather. Yeah. They, they're the dorkiest punk band of all times. And there's nothing macho about that. I don't <laughs> care how much they try to be macho. It's never going to happen. So yeah, it, they get a big fat zero out of me on this one. It's just a bunch of Jews from Queens. I think. <laughs> Right? exactly right and joey ramon looks like you know he looked like howard stern the guy's like seven feet tall and weighs like 30 pounds exactly <laughs> you know what i mean and you never yeah, saw Yeah, they're not face. fooling anybody no not fooling anybody i agree i mean there's no ma- malignant machismo here at all i don't care how much no. they're singing about skeletons dancing they can't scare no. me they're the ramones <laughs> this is a zero. exactly precisely all right, we're nearing the end of this autopsy. And I know, Rico, our listeners, they're on the edge of their seat. They cannot wait to hear all this wraps up. They want to know if Pet Cemetery by the Ramones killed rock and roll. So we've got to knock out this last category. Category five, culture of vulturism. How do you score, sir? Um, yeah, they, I don't even think really when you listen to this song compared to all of their other songs, they're not even really vulturing themselves on this song. This is kind of goes away from them a little bit. It's a little bit slower. It's a little more user-friendly. It's probably if in one of the most, if not the most radio friendly song they've ever written. I mean, yeah, you've got rock and roll high school and all those other ones that, that are cool too, but this one is just straight up pop rock radio. And this is not even vulturing themselves, dude. And so um, it's inspired. It sounds like it belongs in the eighties, but there's no vulturism here. This is a big zero for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree. It doesn't sound really like anything else in their catalog. And if I'm yeah. not mistaken, if my ears aren't deceiving me, I think Johnny is actually attempting to play some arpeggiated chords at some point. Uh, I m- imagine that. Yeah, which for a guy who effectively just downpicks bar chords a million miles an hour, <laughs> right? You know, for him to actually attempt to, you know, pluck some individual notes is pretty impressive. And so it has that thing going on right where it's it's a different it's a different ramon song different arrangement different Mm -hmm. approach to the chord structure and how he's playing the chords like i said i hear some individual notes there um big poppy chorus even the lyrics aren't typical they they never they're not the misfits they don't write about skeletons joey ramon writes about his girlfriend dumping him you know what i mean exactly he writes about having a lobotomy That's right. This song sounds like you mentioned the word arrangement. I mean, just being able to use that word in the same sentence of a Ramon song, <laughs> right? The yeah. other ones don't have an arrangement. It's just let her rip, man. And this song actually has some structure to it. It was crafted like a real song. It's got the perfect length of time at three minutes and 30 seconds. Yes. The yep. industry loves three and a half minute songs, right? Yep. For the radio, and, for terrestrial it's, radio. It's actually long for a ramon song yeah right by about double i think right yeah yeah so but it show it what's that tell you that they were attempting to write for airplay you know mm-hmm. and that um, and it worked for them on that one and, yeah but, and it's funny because you mentioned arrangement it does kind of sound like in and i don't think this is the case but it sounds like a producer had heavy 
a heavy part of kind of putting the song together. Mm, it did. Uh, the, 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 the French guy, one of your people's Jean yeah. Beauvoir, Pepe Le Pew and this other cat, um, well, uh, Daniel Ray and Jean Beauvoir, they both helped, uh, helped the Ramones structure the song. And so he did get help structuring the song, even though it was his lyrics, they helped write the musical part of it. And, I mean, you could tell, like I said, it sounds like a real radio friendly song. Yeah, I agree. I got to score it a zero as well. I think you're I can't say it any better than you have. Um, I think did Pepe Le Pew get get canceled? Um, yeah, dude. Speaking I of say, excessive misogyny, was he was he yeah, a, dude, a listen, Me Too casualty? I would say most of the the whole the whole Bugs Bunny gang, all all of them got canceled because there was there were none. I mean, if you want to talk about autopsies, we could do an autopsy on that whole freaking the, the whole lot of them actually because there was nothing 2022 about any of those cartoons. Wasn't Pepe Le Pew like a little handsy? Ha ha ha! Je mon ami. Oh yeah, dude. He was he was sexually assaulting everybody, especially that that the one the one female skunk that he was always harassing. Yeah. Jesus. So I was like, it, as a kid, I would roll out of bed at like six a.m. on a Sunday, pour mm-hmm. myself a giant Tupperware bowl full of like Cap'n Crunch, <laughs> as big as sit, you can find, as big as I could find, and sit <laughs> in the and sit crisscross applesauce, not Indian style, right, about two feet away from a giant tube television, and watch sexual assault from a skunk all morning long. Just the sound of that. And we loved every minute of it. And it was it was the best. Oh, every Saturday morning, Looney Tunes, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Watching a skunk sexually assault another skunk for seven minutes because that's how long cartoons were back then. Seven minutes. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah, there's uh nothing that that wouldn't have gone over too well in today's society, that's for sure. No. Um all right, so what have you got, sir, for your time? Right. Let's add them up. All right, let me get my abacus out. We got 37 times 4 divided by the square root of 98. I've got a point and a half. A point, I've got a point and a half. So that is, oh my gosh, more math. What have you got okay. there, sir? Well, a point and a half and a point and a half is, that's right. The science works once again. We've got three points. So not only did this song not, contribute to the death of rock and roll but it actually contributed to rock and roll as it should good job guys the science works again it always does man we've we've developed the most foolproof uh rock and roll measuring uh device and system ever ever uh imposed upon Uh, there is not one shred of opinion in this autopsy this is nothing but hardcore analytical science All right, gang. Well, this has been Rock and Roll Autopsy. Good night now. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah.
Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Guys, it's like a mystique. There's no mystique anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like. Uh your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs>